Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Come on in. Come on in. Uh, today is our, our last day of class, our last day of financial consciousness training. Uh, but we have had so much fun. I know I have. I hope you guys have had as much fun as I've had. And um, and you're probably uh, wondering uh, who this other person is um, that I brought in here. You're like, wait a minute. It's normally just you, Dr. Boyce. What's going on? Well, uh, today I thought I would bring us a special surprise. Um, I brought in, uh, you guys know we've spent the whole month talking about uh, financial consciousness and money mindset and uh, how to really kind of, you know, get off, get off the hump in terms of moving forward and elevating your mindset when it comes to your money, uh, changing your habits, making good financial choices. Well, uh, the person that I brought in today is somebody who wrote a really great book called Quantum Wealth Theory. She has a whole uh, set of um, interesting ideas. Her name is Asia Kirkendall. Asia Kirkendall uh, is going to join us as we talk about money mindset and the psychology of money. And uh, so first of all, I want to say uh, or ask Asia, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Dr. Boyce. Good, I good. appreciate you so much for inviting me here. You know, like we talk about this topic, I feel like it's so niche. You know, there's a broader topic of financial literacy and financial education. Then people talk about mental health. But I feel like what we're doing is realizing the overlap between the two and seeing that when we deal with our mental, behavioral, emotional programming, then we can really reach those financial goals much more efficiently. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I'll tell you. Um, Asia, uh, I wouldn't have brought Asia here if I didn't have a good reason to do that. Um, uh, I want y'all to answer in the chat. How many, <laughs> how many guests have I brought into our, our consciousness training since we started? Uh, some, so, somebody, uh, tell me how many, how many guests have we brought in, um, uh, in, into this class? Somebody write that in the chat. Yeah, yeah, the answer is zero. The answer is zero. We have not had one single guest, Asia, not one single person has come to visit because uh not not because no one's worthy. I'm not gonna say that. I'm just gonna say that uh it it, it takes a lot to impress me enough to say, okay, you, you gotta come to class. You gotta come to class. So um so when I tell you that that Asia is is worth it, uh she really is. And uh and actually you guys know normally I always like to say hi to you when you come in. And I saw Sharon and Elaine and uh Ivy, Nelly. Sharon, Veronica, Lashawn, Dakuli, Juanita, AC Salam. I see D Darlene, Yolanda. Who else? Uh, Taquana. Uh, I see Nicole, Tony. Good morning, James Keller. Good morning, Errol Simengal. And uh, if I did not say your name, I love you too. All right, so let's let's just hop into this. Let's go ahead and get started. Um, and so uh, so first off, uh, Asia, give us a little bit of background in terms of your. Uh, experience in the financial field, as well as your interest in money mindset and uh, and and just how you got to that point of the creation of quantum wealth theory. Uh, tell us just about you and who you are. Yes. So the best way for me to start to answer that question is to share about how I was raised with my single mom. She had two kids and the programming that I grew up hearing was that we didn't have enough. We couldn't afford this. Other people, you know, could benefit financially or have financial success, but we essentially were doomed to this pattern and cycle of struggle. And so while I grew up hearing that, because um, giving my mother grace and understanding that that was her real experience, you know, day to day, check to check, month to month, that was her experience. And so she was just repeating what she saw happen in her reality. 
And so while I was going through that experience, I also was told because my mom, she saw my ability to save money, which I know now was a reaction, as they call it money hoarding. I was hoarding money because money was an uncertain thing for me. And so my reaction as a kid was to be a good saver. And so my mom saw that and she affirmed to me that I was good with money, that I would be the one to go get the good job and, you know, not have to be doomed to the same uh, pattern of struggle. And so I went to school for accounting. I got my bachelor's in accounting. I got my master's in finance because I believed I was good with money, but it wasn't until 2017, you know, I'm six years into my financial career as a professional financial analyst, managing business finances, not personal finances. So I'm six years into this career with the technical knowledge of financial literacy. And it was Achilles tendon injury that cost me $5,000 out of pocket that forced me to reflect on my behaviors, my feelings and my emotions around money, regardless of what my financial situation looked like on paper. Mm. And so- Yes. When you injured your Achilles, just out, out of curiosity, so this was when you were playing basketball or what? What's Absolutely, sport? sir. It was co-ed, rec league, basketball. I oh. had went my whole career up until that point with no serious injuries, nothing more than a jammed finger, sprained ankle. So, yeah, it's, it's a fast break. I'm coming down um, after the layup. As soon as I hit the grounds, the floor was slanted under me. And oh, what no. I know now... Okay, now, fun fact. I walked on that Achilles tear for four weeks before I went to a doctor. That, that doesn't sound like a fun fact. That just sounds like a scary fact. <laughs> sounds like a painful a, fact. <laughs> a painful fact. And, you know, being stubborn and a little, um, not having as much trust in, you know, some of the industries, like the medical industry. Um, I thought, you know, I didn't know what it was. I thought I could heal it myself. I had some wraps around it. I was elevating it. But um, that's another story on how I, the event I was at that made me realize I needed to go to the doctor. Um, but essentially, um, I had just bought my house the year before. I had got my floors and walls redone because it needed to be done. And so that was $5,000 of surgery that I didn't have savings for because I wasn't saving for an emergency fund that I was going to add on top of a $7,000 line of credit that I had got the year before um, to get my house refreshed. And even when I took out that um, the line of credit for the house, I had every intention on paying that down within the year. My numbers on paper told me that I could have paid that down no problem over the next 12 months. But, you know, the weekends come, friends call. So I'm spending my money however I want to because I earned it and I deserved it, which is true. But at the same time, I wasn't considering my future financial goals and desires at the same time that I was prioritizing my immediate goals and desires. And so that situation is what had me ask the question, what are the wealthy 1% what are those people doing that the rest of the 99% is missing? And I've, I've highlighted this before with you. It's the tax business and tax strategy because of taxes are number one expense for Americans. Number two, it's life insurance, realizing it's more than just death benefit. There's the living benefit. And now those two things, there's plenty of experts that talk about it. But it was the third thing that the wealthy people do and use and benefit from that I didn't see a whole lot about. And that was the mindset. Like, what is this mindset? Why am I behaving this way? Even though I consciously decided to behave another way, my actions and habits weren't lining up with my conscious goals and desires. And so that's what led me into developing the quantum wealth theory. Hmm. Okay. Well, you know, um, Asia, I'll, t I'll tell you, it's um, 
Uh, I, I'll tell you guys how I, I came to know Asia's work. Um, I was at a conference in Chicago. Uh, who who was the host of that conference, Asia? Do you remember the name of the sister? J.J. Conway. J.J. Conway, yeah. I want to make sure I give her credit for that because she did a great job. And uh, and I saw Asia present, and I was like, this is really interesting. This I want to go and talk to this person and find out more about what she's doing because this is really interesting. And and um and she she was as nice as could be. Uh, Asia's a very very just decent human being. And um and I and I said, okay, let's follow up because I I I, I really feel. And uh, tell me what you think. I I you know I my biggest concern is starting with our people, like our people first. Everyone else matters too, but um but I really see a lot of signs with that our mindset can be adjusted uh, in so many ways. Um you know even when I was talking to. I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna give an honest reflection real quick, and I hope everybody can let me be honest and not have it be uh, seen in in any way other than it's intended. But I was talking to my wife today about somebody that we worked with who happened to look like us, and and uh, the person uh, made promises about things they were gonna do and overcommitted and and didn't follow through and didn't do what they were you know what what we needed them to do, and uh, and then that led us to just reflect in general on other areas that, that, you know for improvement right not not to say that all of us fall in this category because a lot of us are professional and solid and on top of everything i said but there is there there are some pockets of culture that have to be addressed and, i mean just confronted in terms of just this idea of uh of mindset and also even little things like what professionalism and work ethic looks like what it means to stick to commitments uh you know for example uh, you know, if you uh, if you're if you're going and you're telling the whole black community for 10 years that you're going to build a school and then you never build it and no one ever really everyone's afraid to say anything about it. I'm not going to say any names, but you all probably might know who I'm talking about or what I'm talking about. Or uh, or when you see a lot of hip hop artists that they they do a lot of talking about what they're going to do, but they don't follow through most of them, uh, you know, or when it's time to go. Um, you know, my mother-in-law lives in one of the blackest cities in America, Gary, Indiana, and she's just heartbroken that when she's hired black male, give me yes or yes or no. Let me know if you if you've seen this. She's heartbroken over the fact that she's tried to hire black men to come and fix things in her house. And one brother, we we I you know she's my mother-in-law. I love this lady, so I I said okay, let's get this done. Let's find somebody. She said yeah, I found somebody who's gonna cut down the tree. Here's how much it costs. I said okay, let's send them the money. Let's get it done. And the guy called and said I'll be there at twelve o'clock, and he never showed up. Just never showed up. Didn't 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 call to say I'm gonna be late. Didn't call to say sorry. I something went wrong. Just did not show up. And I said what what is happening here? What is this? And um. And so I'm going to just say this and I'm going to say this politely and, 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 and just so that it doesn't come off, you know, it, in any way other than it's intended is I, I think there's so many areas where we have to be honest with ourselves. We have to really talk to each other about culture. Um, mm. It's it, it's like it's a damn shame, for example, when, when it's time to get certain work done in the house, <laughs> you can call in a group of Mexican people, you can call in a group of <laughs> Irish, <laughs> a whole Irish family will come and fix the roof and whatever, you know, and and, and it, there's something there, you know, in terms of um, just these basic ideas of, of, of following through on commitments that some of our people haven't learned when it comes to work, like what that really looks like. Like, don't, you know, like I, I talk to the kids all the time. I say, look, don't ever tell me you're going to do something. Don't do it. That makes you look pathetic. But there's so many people 
who just don't have that accountability about them and will say, yeah, I'll be at work on Tuesday at eight o'clock and won't even show up, you know? And again, not to say that other people don't do this. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that we know what y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know our people, not all of our people. I'm not talking about all of our people, but y'all know y'all seen it. So, so really mindset Asia to me, uh, means really us understanding what, what it means to be a solid mm. economic citizen in our community, what it means to be uh, economically solid for ourselves, uh, keeping our commitments to ourselves for our future, uh, overcoming whatever programming we have that that mm. forms habits that are not beneficial. So can we start? Let, maybe we can start there. I know you got notes, and I didn't even know if you bought slides. I Just so y'all know, I, I just invited Asia. I had no idea what she was bringing or if she if so it's okay for you to just talk or if you got something you want to share on the screen you can do that too uh what what would you say in response to some of the things that i've just said wow okay so i'm definitely gonna just speak to that response and i do have a few sli uh, visual slides that i would like to reference um because i knew i wanted to come and give really the meat of what the quantum wealth theory is and something that people can take away if you listen today and you didn't do anything else at least your paradigm would be shifted. You would have a new way to look at money just by understanding some of these facts about how our brain and heart operate that drive us to behave in certain ways. But to respond to what you just said, man, um, I like the way you described it as pockets of culture. And because I feel like that's the best way to identify and then address what needs to happen to you know, address those pockets of culture. Um, but the visual that came to mind as you were talking about the challenges that we as a people have is the rubber band analogy. It's like the further you pull back the rubber, rubber band, the more tension you give it, the further it goes. And so we talk about our people realizing that we've had hundreds of years of this programming that, you know, is not productive for us. We'll just call it that. And even further hinders our ability to follow through with our decided goals with our beliefs, our desires. And so when you say the mindset, I thought about it in two ways. Cause at first you were describing like the mindset of what's needed to understand the our community, to be able to give back to the greater good, you know, to be able to be an upstanding citizen, to contribute economically to the mark the market at whole and your immediate circle. But then I started to think about the mindset first to even get yourself together first, you know, to look in the mirror and say, before I can help the community and be an upstanding citizen for others, let me be an upstanding citizen for myself and follow through with the plans I made to myself. Like how many times have I decided to go to the gym or to do something and then I let myself down? And so I feel like the programming that we're talking about, it reminded me of the miseducation of the Negro, how he walked through some of the historical reasons that led to us being programmed in this way to where, you know, we didn't all, we weren't always promised to live to tomorrow or to next month. And so we weren't, we didn't always have the luxury of planning that far ahead. And so when I think about how that relates to us today, you know, if I earn my paycheck, I worked hard for it. I deserve it. I deserve to, you know, have a little fun on the weekends. These are all true, but because we didn't have that luxury, luxury always to look so far into the future, it's hard for us to think in the future and prioritize those future needs and wants. And so, you know, when I pull up the slides, we'll get into it because I, I brought up three topics that I want to speak to. Like I said, that if you just hear today, understand what we're saying, then you can go forward and apply it in your day to day 
thoughts, decisions, and how you just look at every interaction in your life. Um, because one of the concepts I learned from this company called Financial DNA, they study a bunch of behavioral insights to understand your money DNA, is that money is an omnipresence. He calls it money energy. And which means that influences pretty much every aspect of your life. It influences what you eat, where you work, where you live, how you spend your time. And so if money has this omnipresence over every decision of your life, being able to take the stress off of sometimes dealing with these matters can allow you to have more freedom and flexibility in your day-to-day -day life, if nothing else, just mentally and emotionally first. Once you get that together on the inside, how you feel and think about it, then it'll change how you how those actions interpret into your real life. Mm. Okay. Well, what I'm going to do, everybody, is um, I'm going to, uh, I, I, Asia, just so you know, I, I'm giving you sharing permissions where you can share uh, your material. And I want everybody to know also, uh, just quick housekeeping, that, the, uh, that today is the last day of our uh, 30 days of financial consciousness training uh, that we've done. Uh, if you want to uh, get access to uh, the recordings of these trainings and either go through it again yourself or have them for life or share them with a family member, uh, all you have to do is go to drboyceelevate.com. That's drboyceelevate.com. We cut the price by about 60% uh, for you guys. So feel free to go there, drboyceelevate.com. And also, you guys know that tomorrow we're going to start another 30-day uh, training, but this may take longer than 30 days. I've never done it before. Uh, we're going to actually uh, break through uh, my book, The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. Uh, now, with that uh, particular training, you can get free access uh, to the live sessions by simply getting the study guide. Uh, and let me give you guys the study guide. This is the required reading for the class. Uh, can we buy the next ebook study guide and participate? Yes. Here is the link to the study guide. I put that right there in the chat. Uh, make sure you grab that and that can give you access to the study guide. If you guys want uh, access to those recordings, um, I'll get a link uh, for you uh, at, at some point where you can uh, have access to that as well. And uh, and then you can also um, everything you know we do uh, with that is pretty much buy one, get five free. So that means if you want to bring your family members or whatever, just one membership is enough. And that gives access to the live sessions. But if you want uh, not just the recordings, but also a bunch of other bonus material that we have, uh, then uh, there's another link we can share with you uh, if, you're, if you're on our email list. So make sure uh, you look out for that email, look out for that text uh, by texting the word stock to 87948. Okay. All right. Uh, and if you order your study guide today, it'll probably take maybe five days for it to get there. And so um, until then, you can just come to class and I'll put the slides on the screen as well. Okay, Asia, so uh, you take it away. You can go ahead and do your thing. All right. So I'm going to share with you guys a few infographics that I had somebody on Fiverr help me put together. And basically what you're looking at here, I call this, I speak about financial empowerment. I don't use the term financial literacy anymore in my work because I feel like that term has been not only overused, but misrepresent, misrepresented. And so I use the term financial empowerment to talk about these four areas that make up financial empowerment. So the first section here is financial literacy. Of course, knowing how financial products work, you know, what an interest rate, how that works with your money. Of course, that's important. And then these three other pieces is what I feel like the quantum wealth theory helps you to understand and then apply in your own life. Number two, mental awareness. And I'm just break, I'm going to share with you guys the high level summary of these 
uh, three other sections, and then I'm going to get into a deep dive of each section to just kind of give you guys a preview of what would be in the quantum wealth theory. So bam. The second one is mental awareness. It's first of all, even being aware of the conscious thoughts you have and the unconscious um, strives and behaviors that you um, that you follow through with. Number two, emotional intelligence, being able to recognize some of those subconscious feelings that come up when it deals with money, regardless of the conscious words or thoughts you may have. Because what I learned in my experience is while I may have consciously thought that I was good with money, thought that I had financial success because my numbers on paper told me so, my subconscious feelings and beliefs did not align up with that. And that's why I found myself in the situation that I did. It's because I had, didn't have emotionally, emotional intelligence enough to pay attention to how I was feeling and where those feelings were coming from. And then the third thing is you're having flexible beliefs, which I define as the willingness to explore new paradigms and explore any unconscious beliefs that may no, may no longer be true to you and your desired financial goals. And so back to my example, that was me growing up thinking that there was always going to be bills to pay, that I didn't have control over my money, that I couldn't live life and enjoy my money. I believe that unconsciously. And so that's why those situations kept showing up in my life. And I'm not saying that, you know, just in some flippant law of attraction kind of way. What I'm going to break down with you guys in this part of the quantum wealth theory is the science scientific re reasons why your brain and your heart seek for proof and validation of the feelings that you have. <clears throat> so I just wanted to start with that financial empowerment wheel. I don't know what I'm gonna call it yet. Four segments of financial empowerment. If you guys have any suggestions in the chat on what I could call this, I, I'm absolutely open to it. So I wanted to start by giving you that highlight, that high level before I get into the next not this one. Before I get into the next topic, which is specifically about consciousness, because that's a word, especially when I was starting out in this research, that was a word that I heard a lot. Consciousness, your self-conscious, your unconscious, um, your programs, conscious beliefs. But I didn't see a lot of information that actually broke it down and described what that was. And so I'm going to break down the consciousness and then I'm going to tell you exactly why that's relevant to this conversation and specifically our community. So basically Sigmund Freud, he had this theory, uh, uh, the, the analogy is the iceberg of consciousness and that's the image here. And so at the top above the water surface, they say about 10%, less than 10% of your daily actions, thoughts and beliefs stem from your conscious mind. And we're calling that self-conscious here which means it's responsible for your logical reasoning, your ability to communicate, for your thoughts, feelings, and emotions that you're currently aware of. It includes your willpower, your decision-making ability, and your ability to analyze situations. And so even though your conscious mind is the one that's aware and that's making the decisions every day, it's not the most powerful force that you're dealing with. And so that's when we come to below the surface. Everything below the surface, we're calling that subconscious because it's below the surface. But even further, we're breaking that up into two sections. There's the subconscious, which is responsible for your long-term and permanent memories. You might not be thinking about it now, but if you wanted to tap in, you can go reflect on some of those long-term memories that are in your subconscious. 
It deals with your habits, the skills that you've done enough times to where now it's an automatic habit, like riding a bike or driving a car. If you remember when you first started driving, you know, you had to f- have all your conscious thought on, okay, I got to put my foot here. I got to turn this. I got to look there. It was a lot of conscious thought, but after years and years, you know, now we're driving on the phone, eating a burger, you know, putting on makeup at the same time. And that's because your body took that conscious habit that you were building, did it enough times and was able to save energy by putting that into your subconscious skills. And then last but not least, we go one level further down to the unconscious. Now, this is where the behaviors or the processes in your body that you don't even think of. That's your breathing. That's your um, blinking. Any automatic reflexes that you have that you don't even know that's happening until you pay attention and focus your conscious mind on it. And so this one's interesting because this is where unresolved conflict repressed memories and unfulfilled desires. This is where they are held and they manifest these unresolved conflicts, these repressed memories, these unfulfilled desires, they manifest through dreams and slips of the tongue. And so I just wanted to bring this to you guys so you can look at your day-to-day lifestyle, your decisions, the feelings that you have, and you can reflect, okay, I'm consciously thinking about it. And if you had a behavior or had a certain thought, Maybe take your consciousness and focus on that. Say, okay, is this my subconscious or is this the unconscious belief or feeling that I have? And you don't know where it came from. And I just wanted to put that foundation down because going back to our community, we talk about the black community and even in general, heart disease is the number one killer of our people. If we know that chronic stress over time is one of the top contributors to heart disease, and we know that financial challenges are a top contributor to stress. And when you talk about generations of families, hundreds of years, if you've had stress for money chronically over time, passed down generation to generation, you can only imagine the generational you know, habits. People talk, talk about genes being passed down. Not of it all is genetic. Some of it is just habits. And so when you talk about how financial chronic stress over time is a number contributor to heart disease, a heart disease is number one killer, being able to just pause and reflect on that. You know, like I said, with my situation on paper, it wasn't that bad, but how I felt had more impact than what the numbers really looked like. And that's all that matters is because how you feel is ultimately going to result in how your body is sending out chemicals, how you express yourself as a physical being and in the reality, you know, do you have enough energy to go for those goals and dreams that you have? And so I just wanted to take the time to deep dive into these layers of consciousness and how you can look at how that bubbles up into your real life and realize that when you talk about financial stress, even if you may not have the ideal situation that you want right now, being able to regulate your emotions and your feelings about it can make all the difference in your health. Mm. Asia, let me, let me hop in and, um, and add to what you say, cause I, I, I love what you're saying here. Um, okay. So let's do a consciousness exercise really quick, everybody. Um, how many of you have heard this term health is wealth, right? How many of you have heard this, right? We've heard this term health is wealth, right? A lot of us have. And then, uh, and then I'm gonna ask another question to go deeper. How many of you have ever heard me explain why um, why health is more important than wealth? In many cases, 
that if you uh if you don't take care of your health, then you're gonna lose all your wealth anyway, uh, because big pharma is gonna take it off on the way out the door, right? We live in a capitalist society which leans on uh you unconsciously committing to a set of habits that are gonna that are gonna make sure they drain you of all of everything that you have that's valuable. They're gonna drain that out of you before you're done. They're gonna work you 40, 50 years. You might, if, if you're lucky, you'll have a little bit of wealth. If you're one of the few, you might have a positive net worth, even though uh, we mentioned in class how there are newborn babies being born that have a higher net worth than some people who've been working 40, 50 years. So some of you uh, ha are not in that category. A lot of us have built some wealth, well, if you don't take care of your health, then big pharma is going to come and take the rest. Uh, you know, if you've ever done estate planning, you'll hear uh, maybe the estate planning attorney talk about things like the Medicaid look back and they go back five years. And in any assets you try to pass it to your kids or whoever, they're going to come back and take that. Right. Um, but then uh, but then I want you to think about the, let's go to layer three. Right. So we, we said health is wealth. Well, it sounds like what Asia is saying, and this is something we've alluded to, but I, but I think it's very important to be very conscious about this, is that. She's also saying that wealth is health. That if I if I love you, and, and I've talked to you all about the consciousness exercises I've had with my daughter, where I've said to her, um, you know, I, I'm going to make sure you have enough wealth so that you can be happy and you can be healthy and you can be mentally and physically healthy So you because you're not stressed out by having to go to work every day with people who hate you, doing a job that you don't enjoy, uh, worried about financial insecurity. So my job is to teach you about money and make sure you're financially conscious because I love you and I I care about you. Like the same way grandma feeds you because she loves you. She feeds you Sunday dinner because she wants you to, to eat. Like the baby's hungry, feed the baby some, you know, give the baby some food, right? That's what grandma would do, right? Well, I think the same thing should be done when it comes to our economics. I think that if we want to feed our kids and feed our family and, and show love to each other, then one way I can show love to you is by nurturing you and helping you become healthy by also helping you become wealthy. So when we are talking about economics, we really are feeding each other and making each other healthier in the process. Asia, I give the floor back to you. Yes. <clears throat> okay. So let me pull this back up. Oh. Can you, oh no, just a second. Okay, so that was topic number two, talking about stress and how having being conscious about our thoughts, feelings, and beliefs as we go day to day, how it's super important. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is brain heart coherence. <clears throat> so the Heart Math Institute, um, over the last I'll say 20 so years, they've been doing a lot of research on the power of the heart. You know, we talk about the brain and its ability to think, um, receive, process information, learn things, remember, um, project, and uh, decide and discern. But they've been doing studies on the heart and realized that not only does the heart have some of the similar abilities to function as the brain, but it's actually more powerful than the brain. And so if you imagine the like the visual of an aura field, how it's like the circle of energy coming out of your head and around your body, your aura. If your brain aura goes about three feet, as far as the electrical impulses it can send out and the magnetic ability to pull in information, 
our heart is 60 times more powerful electrically and 5,000 more times powerful magnetically than our brain. Mm. And so our heart also has 40,000 neurons, like I said, which allows to learn, process, and remember information. And so I set the stage to share with you how powerful your heart is. Because when we talk about financial planning, it's a lot of head work. It's consciously, okay, what am I going to decide? I have to bring up my willpower to execute it. You know, I feel like I want to go on this vacation right now, even though it's not, you know, in my, it's not best for me financially. And I'm ignoring that feeling because my brain says I should do X, Y, Z. But what I'm bringing forth in this quantum wealth theory is using both together. So the idea is your North star vision. So your North star vision specifically is five years into the future. What is your ideal lifestyle look like? For you. Not talking about money yet, not how much money do you want to make. Just ideally, if you woke up every single day and did what you wanted to do with who you wanted to do it, how you wanted to do it, what would that look like? And you paint that picture just artistically speaking. What does that visually look like? What does it smell like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? What does it taste like? That is your North Star vision. And the reason why I take so much time to focus on painting that picture is because when we talk about financial goals, you know, saving for a rainy day or just this random emergency fund, like that's not going to excite people, you know, to delay their gratification. You know, you got to have something that's worth it for them. That's going to make them want to prioritize their future needs over their immediate needs. And so my personal experience with that is when I was planning to move to Atlanta, um, I was living in San Antonio, Texas at the time. I knew I wanted to move to Atlanta and I gave myself a year to do that. And so over that next 12 months, I cut out all my extraneous expenses, like eating out my friends, hanging out. I told everybody like, hey, guys, I'm moving to Atlanta in a year. This is why things are changing. So they would invite me out still, but I would go order water, you know, because I ate before I came and I would order water while I'm hanging out with my friends. And they understood that, you know, before maybe I could have thought, oh, this is going to be embarrassing. You know, I'm drinking water every time I go out with my friends. But no, I have a goal in mind. It's a priority for me. And this is something that I want. And so setting that goal, ex uh, disclaim explaining it to people allowed me to be empowered to change my behavior because it was something that I looked forward to. And so over the next 12 months, I saved $1,000 a month, you know, just cutting out everything and um, optimizing my cash flow. I saved $1,000 a month before I moved to Atlanta. And so for me, that's the example that I share with people. When you just have something that's clear enough that you actually want, then you, it allows you to kind of bring in some of that discipline that you didn't think you had um, to get there. Mm. And so, bam, you painted that North Star vision. You've identified emotionally what you desire about it. Okay, you know, I get to wake up, spend time with my niece and nephew. Mm -hmm. You know, I get to go on horseback riding, you know, every other week. That's what I desire. You paint that picture. You visualize it. You sit in it. You imagine the feelings. You bring those feelings in. And so that's you getting the heart into your financial planning because you got the heart into it by painting this picture. At some point you will put numbers to that plan and reverse engineer to know over the next five years, what do you need to do to earn and to spend to reach that goal? You will bring the numbers into it, but it's important to spend just as much time with the heart emotional side of planning and visualizing because that's what's gonna allow you to actually 
act on the conscious logical plan that you put together. Yeah. I like that North star vision um, idea. You know, it's um, it, it, it's really, and I, and I really want everybody to really meditate on this um, that there's no rule saying that your heart and your head should not be working together. They should, it should be both. It should never just be, you know, like even when I do business, honestly, um, you know, people say, well, it's it's just business and, 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 and you shouldn't feel any kind of way about making business or financial decisions. And I think that's a terrible way to live. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't like to go and screw my friends over just because I'm going to make more money in the process. I think that's a little too capitalist uh, for me. I, I would say that, Ultimately, uh, how you feel does matter, right? You go into an industry uh, and, and you're making more money and you don't like it. Uh, that's That may not be the place for you. There may be other places you can make, you know, almost as much money and actually be happy. And then also linking more specifically to the North Star vision and just sort of feeling your way through what you're doing. Um, uh, you know, I will tell you, I think, I think that that emotional intelligence uh, can be every bit as important as logic and everything else. I, I know as as men, we tend to focus on we 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 try we believe that as men we're supposed to focus on the logical side, and we believe that that's the best way to make business decisions and economic decisions. And I don't think that's true. I think that uh, it's okay to really listen to your feelings, and but then also lock in on those feelings that are going to uh, that are going to give you that motivation to keep going or or connect you to some vision that you're meditating on every day. And when you do that consistently, you consistently imagine how good you're going to feel when you accomplish X, Y, Z. That yes. is you basically, in my view, that's you really um, almost weaponizing to, to your advantage something that they actually do to get you to buy products. A lot of people don't know this, but when corporations are trying to sell you a product, they know that they can't sell it to you just by saying, oh, well, the price is cheaper and it has better features. No, they focus on how you feel, right? So if you are, uh, if they're trying to sell you lawn care service, they're not going to say, well, you know, we 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 cut lawns immaculately and we, uh, we're we going to make sure that your grass is trimmed properly and the edges are perfect and you know, all this other stuff. No, they, they show some guy sitting on the porch, you know, drinking a beer on a Saturday afternoon while all his neighbors are out cutting the grass. He's enjoying his Saturday afternoon and he's happy. He's got this sense of relaxation and satisfaction because... Uh, because because now his grass is taken care of. And and, and so so they're not giving you uh, the lawn care. They're giving you your Saturdays back. They're giving you the feeling of satisfaction of knowing that you're going to be able to relax. So ultimately, figure out what what are you giving yourself? Uh, this is where I want to get to for sure. What, what, what are you giving yourself when you make these choices, when you're breaking these generational curses, when you're making these long-term financial plans, uh, when you're setting yourself up to be successful, when you're doing this for your grandkids? Uh, what is the why? Uh, you know, the why, why you're doing something is more impactful than the what and the how. I believe that the the what matters, but the what is driven by the why. At least, at least this is what I've seen in terms of success. Like the why, like it's like if if the what is the um, navigational device on the rocket, the why is the booster. That's the booster, and then the how. The how just kind of comes together. If you know the what and the why, then you'll be motivated to every day to spend time figuring out how to get it done. But figure out what you want, and then figure out why you want it, and, and then ask yourself questions like this. Like you say, okay. Um, uh, let's see, somebody put, put it in the chat. What, what do you want for yourself financially? Like, what, what do you want for your future? What do you want for your kids, your grandkids? What, what would you want? Um, uh, somebody type something in the chat. 
right. So, uh, okay. So uh, let's say it's financial security, freedom. Okay. When he just says freedom. Okay. All right. So what, so you want freedom. Why do you want freedom? Well, because freedom, uh, because I, I grew up uh, not feeling free and it's stressful to not feel free. Okay. Well, well, why, why, why again? Like why, why are you pursuing freedom as a way to get away from stress? Well, because as a kid, I had financial anxiety and it was terrible and it felt really bad. Uh, and I want to feel good every day when I wake up. Okay, so why? Why do you want to do that? Well, because that just will make me happy and feel at peace with the world or whatever, right? So so you can, by asking yourself why, 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 you can really get to the root of what's really driving you emotionally. And that's going to really be your rocket fuel that will get you up and get you moving every day. You know, like I get up, I get up every morning at 4.30 in the morning uh, to go to the gym with my wife. Why? Well, because I need to work out every day. Um, you know, in order to stay healthy. Why? Well, because I, I just really don't want to get fat and old and it, it, it drives me crazy to be like, I don't want to be an old fat man. Why? Well, because I don't want to like, you know, die. I want to spend many happy years with my wife and not just pop over from a heart attack because I didn't take care of myself. Why? Well, because I'd be letting a lot of people down and I can't really fulfill my potential. Right. So you, if you keep asking why you can really dig to the root of of what you're doing. And then every morning when I get up, I know why I'm doing it. Like I'm getting up every morning because I love my wife. I want to spend time with her. I want to be uh, the best man I can be. I want to get myself back into shape. And all these whys are like uh, little training partners. They kind of push me to get yes. up and go to the gym. All right. So Asia, take it away. Yes, man. Okay. <clears throat> so we talked about brain heart coherence and something you said when you said Focus in on the visual of that North Star vision. That's what's going to bring us into the third and last point that I'm going to bring up today. So this is where it gets good, guys. Um, you know, the the I use the language of brain science, quantum wealth theory. We do talk about quantum physics, which is really just the study of energy. But going back to that original gear of financial empowerment, flexible beliefs is a major part of this because not only do you have to be open to have new beliefs, thoughts, behaviors, and actions around your own personal desires and behaviors, but you also have to be open to flexible beliefs related to new concepts. You know, just because you may not have been interested in science in school, which I was not, if you can be have flexible beliefs, you can be open and just hear some of these new ideas that may help you in the areas that you are interested in. So I say all that to say this RAS framework, R-A-S, that's an acronym. It stands for the reticular activating system. And so when you were talking about the North Star vision and you focusing on the feeling, that's what we need to that process of visualizing and focusing on the feeling, that's a part of the reprogram process because what you're vis visualizing is not something that you've, ex we're gonna assume it's not something you've experienced in your life before. And so it's not an existing experience. You don't have the existing beliefs that allow you to think that it's possible, or maybe you do consciously think it's possible, but that subconscious and unconscious programming that you went through doesn't believe it's possible. And so that's the difference here. We talk about brain, heart, coherence, alignment, consciousness and unconsciousness alignment. You may think and know that you have the skills and access to make 
a million dollars a year. But if subconsciously, because of what you heard growing up or how you feel, if you don't believe it really truly in your body, then that's where we're talking about out alignment. And that's where we spend a lot of our time wasting energy on those goals. So I'm about to break down this RAS framework. Um, Dr. Watkins, did you want to share anything before I get into it? No, no, I, I, I agree a hundred percent. Um, you know, it reminds me of, uh, anybody remember in the matrix when Larry Fishburne was teaching Neo how to fight and he said, don't, don't think you're faster than I am. Know that you're mm -hmm. faster than I am. Mm. Right. So uh, whatever you're trying to become, don't think that that's what you are. You you need to know it and find some way to know it. And uh, and, you know, and, and one reason that we do financial consciousness trainings, because the lady uh, that's in the picture with me, my wife uh, is an expert on the subconscious mind. So we talk a lot about that programming. And that made me much more aware of how deeply embedded uh, our subconscious beliefs about ourselves have affected our behaviors and our actions and attitudes. Sometimes a lot, a lot of stuff we do seems to me, Asia, like a lot of us don't understand 80, 90% <laughs> of, of what makes us tick. You know, yes. Uh, we don't, yes. we, we, a lot of people don't even, a lot of people don't even know what the subconscious mind is. They don't even know it exists. You know, yeah. it's all, it also reminds me when we used to go, we, we used to go to church. Um, I don't go to church anymore. I ain't gonna lie. I'm, I'm a little bit of a heathen. Y'all gotta forgive me. Uh, but uh, I remember when they used to say that the, the biggest goal of the devil is 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 to make you believe that he doesn't exist, and I feel mm. like with because we don't we don't believe Ooh. the subconscious mind we don't even know about the subconscious mind's existence. It just mm. ends up controlling everything that we do, and we're like we don't know why we do it, and and mm. a lot of times we know exactly what we need to do. We know the right thing to do. You know when I, when I was trying to lose weight, I knew exactly how to do it. It it, it wasn't there was no knowledge gap that kept me from <laughs> knowing. You know that if I went to the gym. I would lose weight, but it yeah. was uh it was a behavioral gap. It was a, a habits gap. It was, you know, it was just me having the habit of grabbing the chips and staying at home and watching Netflix and, and wasting my time and all that. And once you're able to sort of be, become conscious, I think that, that you can consciously program your subconscious mind, you yes. know? Yeah. Yeah. So Asia, okay. please. Continue. Okay. So we're going to, what you just said, consciously programming the subconscious mind, like that's the kicker. Okay, it's a little ironic that you 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 do it that way, but that's how you do it. Okay, but before we get there, you said the devil related to our subconscious habits and programming. Have you read the book Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill? No, I have not. Okay, that's going to be one that. So you read Think and Grow Rich, yes? Yes. Okay, so Think and Grow Rich and Outwitting the Devil, those were both written around the same time, like in the 1920s, I think it was, or 1930s. And basically, Napoleon Hill, while Think and Grow Rich was published around the time, was able to go on to be one of the best-selling self-help books of all time, uh, Outwitting the Devil was actually locked away in a safe um, during that whole time because it was so controversial to what this book was saying. And his family finally released it in 2011. They finally published this book that was locked away for 50, 60 years. Excuse me, even more than that if I do the math. So the reason why this book was so controversial was very two specific things. Basically, he said the devil uses, the devil controls 98% of the population. And he calls these people drifters. 98% of the people are drifting through life 
They don't have a definite of purpose and they're just drifting, being influenced by the devil's habits. Okay. And he said the devil uses two forces to control these drifters, the churches and the schools, because Mm. it teaches people how not to think for themselves. And it's just the follow dogma, raise your hand, do what I say, memorize the facts, do this, you know, be that. And that's why 98% of people are drifting. And so I say that to say that's one of the books that absolutely did it for me. And it's there's an audio version where it's literally the author or interviewer interviewing the devil and it's two voices and even the other voice, like it it sounds even a little evil. So it's it's a very good wow. That that's that's so heavy. That is so deep. It's so heavy. Yeah, Yeah. it's so it's so funny you bring that up, Asia, because I, I literally was talking to uh, our 13 year old about that, you know, she was, she told, she said, um, that she sits with the drama club at lunchtime. And she said, yeah, all we do, I think that we, cause she and I were debating over whether or not a musical can still be good, even if it's in a movie theater versus on the stage. And mm. uh, I said, you know, I never really thought about that. I, I I guess the stage would be more uh, impressive because you, you only have one take, you can't mess it up. Right. She said, yeah, yeah, that's what we say. That's what we debate. That's what we were debating at, at, at lunch yesterday. And yeah. uh, and she said, she said, I, I have no idea what regular people talk about, because all we talk about is theater. And I said, yeah. well, you know, I said, well, don't be ashamed of that, because what you have at your early age is you have a purpose. You know, every single day yes. she gets yes. up and every every single day, wow. six days a week, gets up and goes to dance class like like she's a grown like she's a grown up, you know, like yeah. with a job, yes. you know, yes. and, and yes. comes in 930 at night, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I explained to her the difference between going through life uh, with a purpose versus not having a purpose. You know, a person with a purpose, they're like a guided missile. The energy is sufficiently used toward the completion of some mm-hmm. objective. Those who mm-hmm. don't have a purpose, uh, you you unfortunately end up at risk of a lot of boredom, which might lead to depression which leads to you having these space fillers to, mm-hmm. to kind of create where we're either, either you fill in the space up with something that could potentially be unhealthy, like watching TV all day with, with chips in your hand or drugs. Uh, mm. I, I think this is why a lot of rich kids end up using drugs because they're, mm. they're rich and bored and <laughs> they don't have to go mm. to work or anything. And, um, or, or someone comes along, like you said, and they say, Oh, you're a drone. You have no purpose. Here, join my organization. I'm going to give you a purpose, right? Or yes. come work for me. Come work. For, get on the yes. corporate plantation. We'll give you a purpose, right? Now you now your days are filled up. Now you've got something to do, and yes. you, but but really, it's not your purpose. It's the purpose of the person who is your puppet master. It's the purpose of mm-hmm. the person who has taken control of you. You know the way you maybe like they 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 hacked into you to to yes. get you to become part of their army. Right. And yes. I think that's very dangerous for our people because that's what how we were bred. Uh, Dr. Claude Anderson, I hope you guys will come to uh, Poweronomics training tonight. We're going to meet at at, uh, at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Asia, you're invited as well. But Dr. Anderson said in uh, in his book, he explained how they specifically and intentionally designed rules and laws and, and, and codes of conduct that were shaped to turn the black community into a... Um, a loyal, very hardworking, non-competitive group of people mm. who did not think for themselves. And mm. in many cases, they will use the pastor to achieve that goal. They'll use the the entertainer. The you know today they'll use the hip hop artist or whatever to just get you acting like a drone. And you have mm. to fight fight your way out of that. Please, yes. Asia, your floor. Man, okay, so this is so good. All right, so the last 
piece we'll talk about is this RAS framework. Remember we said the reticular activating system. And basically this red section here in this brain model, this is what represents the reticular activating system. So basically what this system does is, um, if you guys ever have started shopping for a new car, this is the popular analogy. So you're shopping for a new car, let's say you're looking for a red Volkswagen Beetle. You start looking online and not just because the ads are following you around and showing you ads everywhere. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you saw the red Volkswagen. Now, all of a sudden, when you're driving out on the roads, you're in the streets, all of a sudden you see more red Volkswagen Beetles than you have in that next you know, month than you have in the whole time leading up to that. Has anybody experienced that before? Just say yes in the chat if you have that. As soon as you start focusing on something, your reality brings in more of that, what you're focusing on. Okay, perfect. So that's your reticular activating system doing its job. So there's five steps to this process here. Number one is every single moment of the day, your brain is interpreting stimulus. There are thousands, even millions of bits of information that are coming at you every second that you don't even aware of, like we talked about. That's it going on in your unconscious. There's colors over here, there's these walls here, there's this sound coming from outside, I see this, I feel this on my hand, the feelings of the clothes touching my body. From all five of your senses, your brain is interpreting all that information that it's bringing in. That's the first thing. <clears throat> the second is, if that feeling that your brain interpreted, it has to go through this filter speak, filter point. So the information, not all of it's relevant to you. And remember, this part of the brain, which the quantum wolf theory will walk you into, is comes from evolution. That's where your fight or flight reflexes are stemming from. And so this process back in the day would allow you to see the saber-toothed tiger, you know, coming over the Havana. You know, you would see that off in your far off distance. You might also see a bird in that same area, but you wouldn't process the bird because it wasn't relevant to your situation, but you would absolutely process that saber tooth tiger because you need to know, okay, if this tiger inches one more direct, one more inch this way, then I need to do something about that soon. So you filter in the information, your brain determines the feeling that I get, is this relevant to my situation or is it not relevant? And so once it determines if it's relevant or not, then it'll send, send the signals to your body that, that, um, results in the emotion you feel. And so from that emotion, let me zoom in a little bit. So now before that emotion that you feel is transferred into your self-conscious mind, before you even recognize that you're feeling a certain way, that's when the filter happens and it decides whether this feeling goes against or aligns with your existing beliefs. And so when we realize that stimulus is coming in, it results in a feeling. And then the next step is to for your brain to say, is this feeling relevant to me or not? If it's relevant, it's going to reinforce it. If it's not relevant, then it just releases it and it never makes it to your conscious awareness. So that fourth piece, though, if it is relevant, that's when the feeling or emotion it's being it's now being validated against your existing beliefs. And so you have the feeling oh man, I just overdrafted on my um, car note bill this month. It validates against your existing beliefs. If you have a programming where the poverty mentality or you know 
you had to live paycheck to paycheck. If that's a familiar belief, then it's going to say, okay, yes, this is what we're used to. This is what we're familiar with. We're going to allow more of this to happen. And so that's what we talk about your conscious awareness. You now see the overdraft happen. You validate it against existing beliefs. And so now it's going to reinforce more of that behavior and it's going to recognize more of that behavior. And so this is the point where we use our conscious understanding, like Dr. Boyce said, and consciously reprogram our subconscious minds. Because if that same behavior continues, then it just ingrains that feeling, belief, experience more and more into your subconscious. But if we know that our subconscious programming has been developed from ages zero to seven, and then reinforced from ages eight up until present day, then you can imagine how much effort you need to actually put into the conscious reprogramming of it. And so I wanted to illustrate this process before saying affirmations. When people talk about money affirmations and taking the time to visualize, we're not just saying that, you know, because that's what's popular or it sounds like it makes sense, but you actually need the numbers, the iteration of times where you're actually experiencing these desired beliefs because if your life experience up until this point has been poverty poverty mentality feeling like you don't have enough reacting to life's events as they happen if that's been your experience then it's going to take some serious effort for you to plug in a new program and install these existing beliefs and so when you talk about affirmations this is the system that's required to reprogram yourself. So speaking verbal affirmations, thinking them in your head, whenever you have an overdraft moment or whatever your example would be, instead of letting that incident drive your emotions and now you go all day long, every time you think about that overdraft, you're like, man, I did it again, man, I did it again. Take that opportunity to be conscious and pay attention to your emotions, pay attention to the beliefs that come from every interaction and use that to reprogram. Understanding it, it's not gonna happen overnight. You may consciously say, okay, hey, I'm not gonna feel bad about this. I'm gonna do what I gotta do to learn better strategies, put myself in a better position. That's still conscious level decision-making. You're gonna have to do that over and over and over again to get that to seep into the subconscious because if that belief is not validated exi against existing beliefs, then you need to have more iterations of you going through that process of affirming your new wealth mentality, your new desired beliefs, your new desired North Star vision. That's why we emphasize taking the time to go through that process because you can't undo existing programming. You could just add on new programming. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, that's, uh, in case, uh, for those that don't know, uh, I assume you, you all know this, that's why you're here, but that was why I created this 30 days to, wealth and power training uh because this is the first time i've ever done a class where i said let's meet every single day we're gonna do this every single day every single day we're gonna you know they take well i've heard it takes about 30 days to form a new habit but maybe that's not quite scientifically right is that accurate asia they say 21 days to unlearn existing habit 21 to learn a new one and then another 21 to make it automatic okay so, so total that's, of like so, 63 <laughs> days Oh, okay. To make so, it an automatic yeah. habit. Okay, so it's like that song, you know, oh, we're halfway there. Oh, oh, living on up. Okay, so yes. so so we are halfway there, y'all. Um, we've done 30, 31 days. And in fact, actually, today I'm gonna give you all the reflection for today. 
uh, it's in your uh, your journal, your reflective journal, 30 Days to Black Wealth and Power that you all picked up as uh, for this class. And I'm going to just read it. I'm not going to put it on the screen because I want Asia to continue her excellent presentation. Uh, the reflection is this. Uh, how have the reflections in this journal helped you? And what changes do you plan to implement after this is done? And this is where I want you to write down you know, what your goals are for this year, what you're seeking to accomplish this year, and keep that as part of your financial plan. Keep your goal simple and uh, and and something that you can repeat to yourself, like almost like a mantra, uh, or, you know, say it every day. Uh, and, and, you know, because what, what she's referring to is um, it reminds me of something I remember learning about in grad school, Asia, uh, where they talked about Bayesian statistics, and they have something they call Bayesian priors, uh, which links to, um, uh, or has anybody ever heard the term self-fulfilling prophecy? Uh, give me a yes if you have heard that term, self-fulfilling prophecy. And a self-fulfilling prophecy is where things happen pretty much the way you expect them to happen. And so it's like um, if, you, uh, if you have... Um, I don't know. It, you know, it reminds me, honestly, I, I never I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell on myself, I'm, I'm going to have a moment of, of just stupid, stupid honesty here. Uh, you know, a lot of people asked me for a long time. They were like, well, why didn't you why didn't you ask your wife out when you first met her? And, uh, you know, is it because she rejected you? I said, no, she didn't reject me because I never gave her a chance to reject me because I had this intense fear of rejection. And uh, and I, you know, and I saw these other other guys, you know, I, you know, she had all these really these big six foot basket, six foot five football players trying to hit on her or whatever. I was like, I don't know how to compete with that. So, uh, you know, I was OK kind of being in the friend zone, you know, and, and that sucks. I hate to admit that it makes me look stupid, but it's true. It's me being honest. And uh, and, 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 and here's the thing. The, the whole time, and eventually I learned how to talk to girls, which because that, that was fear is a terrible prison to be locked in. And I just said, I'm not I'm not going to let anything. I, I don't I don't like fear. I just I try to walk away from as much as possible. So long story short, uh, I remember I would notice that has anybody ever seen like a guy who really ain't got it going on, but he thinks he does. And so because he thinks he's got, got it going on, he will just keep asking girls out until somebody says yes. And so he'll ask out, you know, me, I might have, if, if when I was 21, it took a lot of courage for me to ask out one girl. I would see guys that didn't have half of what I had going on, you know, that would ask out 30 girls and then seven of them would say yes. And so he'd have seven girls that they were all chasing after him. And I was like, how's this, this raggedy dude getting all these women that are chasing after him? Well, it was because in his mind, he had a different expectation or belief about himself. He just believed. And this is where I started learning about things like confidence, right? Which, which again, as a man, I didn't understand. These are things I had to learn. I had to learn stuff by reading books because I didn't get a lot of mentorship <laughs> growing up. My father was a great man, but but he didn't, but teaching was not his strong suit. So I had to learn about life by reading about it. And uh, so that's when I when I wrote financial lovemaking. That's when I went and studied scientifically, like the, the the essence of attraction and stuff like that. Oh, Asia disappeared. Oh, did she lose her connection? Let me let me see if let me. T I'm gonna send her a text and ask her uh, <laughs> what happened. Let me see. I don't, I don't know why she. I hope I didn't boot her out of here. Um. Uh. So anyway, so here's what. Uh, so here's what I, what I was getting at with this long-winded story. There she is. She's back. Um, so with this long-winded story, here's what I figured out. So the problem for a person who, uh, like myself at that time, who didn't have a lot of confidence is that if I ask out one woman and she says no, what happens is, that unfortunately, is that that might have reaffirmed my pre-existing belief about myself. 
that I wasn't that I'm not that great anyway. Of course, she's going to say no. Why would she say yes? You know, I know it sounds it probably sounds pathetic. Don't feel sorry for me, though. I've, I've outgrown that. But it was, you know, that that I had a very sensitive inner child growing up, whereas this other guy who didn't have much going on, he didn't see the rejection as a reflection of who he was. He was like, no, I'm the prize. She just doesn't know it. I'm going to keep going until I find someone who sees what's actually there. Right. And so what that did was that affected our behavior differently. Right. So for me, I would muster up the courage to ask one girl out. She'd say no. And I'd be like, kind of like, OK, maybe I shouldn't try again for a while. You know, whereas he'd be like, no, I'm going to keep going until I find somebody that sees what's obviously here, because obviously I'm all that and whatever. Right. And so I, I really think that in general, the same thing can happen even in business, stuff like that. Like if you go into business, for example, and you have a family that is that doesn't do business that doesn't believe in you and you don't believe in yourself and they believe that that what you're doing is just crazy that it's going to fail then what's going to happen is that when you run into an obstacle you're going to it's going to be a confirmation of pre-existing beliefs right well you know i'm not supposed to be in business anyway this really isn't for me i i i, I don't know what i who i think i am or i don't know why i think i'm supposed to do this whereas a person who just knows that, that, that this is their destiny. Like I'm supposed to be a great business person. I'm supposed to be wealthy. I'm supposed to be successful. I just haven't got there yet. They'll just see the obstacle as just one of a few stepping stones they have to get through to get to the final result. Okay. So, uh, so I would say to you, uh, practice thinking about things in that way, you know, just because those, um, and that, that was all about Bayesian statistics. And this happens a lot, actually, uh, even in racism, you know, they, um, when I, when I started teaching at Syracuse university, I noticed that because I was the only black finance professor that any of my students had ever seen, if I made a mistake, it was seen differently than if the bearded old white guy down the hall made a mistake. If he made a mistake, it would just be like, oh, the professor made a mistake. Uh, if I made the mistake, it would be like, oh, yeah, well, he made a mistake because black people aren't qualified to be professors anyway. This guy's this guy's a quack. He's no good. Right. And so uh, so really those pre-existing beliefs play a big part in everything. So that programming, you got to confront the programming. You have to confront that in order to get that courage to continue and sustain and move forward even in the face of disappointment or failure. That's really critical, I think, when it comes to wealth, because we know when, we, when you're talking about building wealth and starting businesses, there's lots and lots of risk, lots of setbacks, lots of mistakes that are going to be made. And uh, but but if you have that that foundation there psychologically, then you can sort of get through that and know that that does not that's not a reflection of your lack of qualification. Okay. So uh, don't tell anybody that terrible story I just told you about, uh, about when I met my wife, cause, cause then, then guys on the internet are going to find it and they're going to start calling me a simp again. So anyway, I'm being silly, anyway, but, but I am a simp for my wife. I'll simp for that woman all day. That's uh, that I, I love her. So uh, shout out to great black women who keep us together. So go ahead, uh, Asia. Uh, I will allow you to take that floor. Please do your thing. All right. So to wrap it up for today, I just wanted to share how we can stay in touch, you know, to continue these conversations because the quantum wealth theory, the second edition is launching March 15th. Um, the first edition, I launched it in 2022. And from then I spent a year workshopping this material, first starting off with family and friends and then getting a nice connection at the East Point Library. So I was able to workshop it with people who don't know me. And so that was I got a lot of good feedback from that experience is what I'm what I'm saying. And that's what's gone into this second edition. So not only do we have more 
uh, information about the subconscious. We actually dug deeper into the subconscious, but I wanted to add more exercises and make it more interactive, even if you're not going through it as a workshop, because I host them as workshops. I wanted to make the workbook more interactive so that if you took that book home for yourself, were able to follow the video guides online, then you can actually have some practices and activities that actually help you reprogram the subconscious and not just talking about reprogramming the subconscious. And so the website here, well, first of all, um, on my Instagram page, I have the link in the bio, um, but if you wanna connect, Instagram is a, a great place to connect and reach me. If you wanna sign up for the white paper, join the community. I have an online community that has a book and media lounge that I added a bunch of interviews and different books. And some of the things that I've listened and learned that helped me to develop my belief in this quantum wealth theory, the outwitting the devil is in there. Um, there's some good stuff in there just about money, the psychology of money. And so join the community, pre-order the book, uh, follow me on Instagram. But basically, starting March 15th, once the second edition is ready to print and launch, we're going to be hosting bi-weekly. We already do bi-weekly support group sessions in a community where we just talk about programming, um, bring some examples on what you've dealt with, just kind of like a community roundtable, if you will. And then we're going to add in like a financial planning hot seat. I have a partner who he's a financial planner. He's been in the game for 14 years and he just broke out to be independent. And so we're going to be working with him. So where we have a place to come as a community where we can constantly check in to challenge these programmings, give new ideas to each other about what we're doing and what's working. And then also a place where we have to where we can actually do the work of reprogramming and not just talking about it and providing information. And so um, March 15th, if you guys sign up on the email list, I have a text list as well that'll be coming out. But if you sign up, then you can trust that you'll be on the notification for when it's time for launch. And also just lastly, I wanted to share, uh, Dr. Boyce, you always, or maybe it's just that's my reticular activating system that's always noticing when you use this rocket ship analogy to talk about this financial journey. And that's exactly what I use in the quantum wealth theory, understanding that your financial vehicle is your rocket ship. And chapter th uh, phase three is about your turbo emotions. That's your rocket fuel. It's understanding your navigation system, where you're going, choosing your destinations, having a flight plan to get there and knowing what obstacles may be around. And yes. so it's this idea that quantum wealth, explore the alternate universe of wealth. And it's just once you realize that this vehicle you were born and gifted and given when we are all brought here on this earth, that you can use it for you. You're not regulated to just the planet that you've been born into. There are other places you can explore and different ways you can experience your desired version of wealth. And so I'm really excited finally having it all together like this. Like I said, it's been a couple years in the making. And having an opportunity like this to share with Dr. Boyce and with his, um, with his audience, because I know you guys are in the same space of, number one, caring about your financial lives, but also wanting to bring a way that makes it fun. I don't know if it's fun for everybody else, but it's fun for me to you know think creatively about this and realize that it is the fabric of everything that we see in our life and all the decisions that we make, these money decisions and the feelings we have about it. And so I'm just glad to be here. Thank you again, Dr. Boyce, for um, inviting me on. And I look forward to continuing to share with you guys. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, thank you, Asia, for coming in. And and now I hope you all understand why I brought Asia Kirkendall into class. 
And uh, the way you spell her name is K-U. Well, thank you for spelling it correctly, uh, Juanita. It's K-U-Y-K-E-N-D-A-L-L. Is that correct? Yes, sir. So how 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 did a black woman from Georgia get a, get a name like Kirkendall? <laughs> well, my people are from Texas, number one. Um, I've traced it far back. We're going to say the Dutch. It's a Dutch name, and I'm still connecting a few dots there. Really? Oh, Oh, so so basically, slavery is that is that your story too? <laughs> we, <laughs> That's what got, I'm gathering. <laughs> we got Matt Massa's name. Yeah, I, I do too. You know, my um, yeah, my name Boyce actually. Uh, my great great grandfather, uh, his slave master named him Boyce, mm. and so that name got passed down to me, right? So I I really do have a slave name, but it's okay. I'm but I'm but I'm 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 a free black man. It's so. mine now. Yeah, right. It's mine now. I'm I'm repoing that name. So. Um, yeah. So I want to say thank you so much, uh, Asia, 100%. And uh, you guys know, I'm going to bring Asia back. Uh, Asia is um, perfect for our Black Financial Therapy Department that we're doing in the Black Business School. Uh, we created that department mm -hmm. because we need to really dig into just, uh, you know, cutting edge techniques uh, in, involving psychology to help us understand what's going on with our families, what's going on with our wealth, what's mm -hmm. going on with our community. And, uh, and so this healing process is something that we want to support you on in that journey. And, uh, and you guys know, my wife is actually a therapist therapist. She's actually seeing clients right now. Some of them are, uh, are in this class. Uh, so if you want to reach out or get information from my wife, you could text the word wellness, W E L L N E S wellness to eight, seven, nine, four, eight text wellness to eight, seven, nine, four, eight. And she can send you some information, uh, to get you started and you can take a look at what she does. Uh, and then also last but not least, those of you that would like to join for the next uh, the next uh, 30 Days to Wealth and Consciousness uh, training that we're going to do. We're going to cover my book, The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. Uh, here is a link to, uh, I'm going to give you two links. Uh, the first one I'm going to give you is the link to join the, to the live sessions only. If you just want to be in the live sessions, which is perfectly fine, uh, you can get a copy of the study guide uh, that we are going to go through with the class. And everyone who orders a study guide will be brought into class where you can talk and join the community. We're also going, in fact, we're actually going to, um, we're actually going to add uh, community the next time around. That's where you can actually go into B1 Nation and there's a special session section you can go to where you can connect with other like-minded people. So that's the first link that I'm sharing with you. Uh, the second link I'm going to share with you is uh, is a, a link to uh, the, the email that was sent out by Micah, which actually gives you access to all the recordings and everything else from the class and uh, as well as some bonus material. And so that email is at that second link, that MailChimp link I'm going to send uh, put in the chat right now. So if you want to uh, go all the way and do the premium access, uh, you can do that second link. So it's up to you. Uh, the first one is about forty, about $39, actually. The second one is $299, uh, but we took $799 worth of stuff and reduced it to $299 to make it affordable for everybody. All right, so uh, God bless you, uh, Asia. Thank you for uh, your time. And uh, also everybody in here, uh, it, it's real. We did it. We did. First of all, let's just, can we like clap for ourselves and like cheer and like give ourselves like a digital round of applause because we made it through the storm. I, I told you all, I was so nervous when we did this class because I said, can I, do I really, can I really get up every single, Asia, we've done, we've met 31 straight days, seven days a week. We missed, we had to miss mm -hmm. one day because I had to go give the speech when I was at in, in Atlanta for Lamar Tyler's thing you, where you and I met. 
Outside of that, we met every single day. So we're, we're forming new habits. Uh, I, I, I sent the survey out to you all and it's working. So we're just going to keep on going. And, um, and so, uh, so I look forward to continue this journey with everybody and, uh, thank you so much. And, uh, you have a great day and thank you, Asia. I'll see you soon. Yes. Thank you guys. Y'all be easy now. All right. Bye-bye.